The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Wide receivers in round seven through nine of a 12-team league. Is this a good range for wide receivers? You better believe it. Over the last two seasons, we have actually had seven wide receivers finish as top 12 guys who were drafted in round seven through nine. That's that's pretty good. So in 2021, that was Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel. They were both top five wide receivers uh, that season. And Jalen Waddell was wide receiver 12. Last year, Amandra St. Brown was wide receiver seven. Devontae Smith, nine. Amari Cooper, 10. And Christian Kirk, 12. And then Brandon Ayuk is wide receiver 15. So this has been a really uh, a great area to draft wide receivers. I'm Adam Azer with uh, Heath Cummings and Chris Towers. Chris, are those the headphones you usually use? Or are they different? I, I Yes, I just replaced them. These are the headphones that they sent us like... They're horrible. Uh, six <laughs> years ago or so. They, they sound good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But they look the, sharp. Yeah, no, they do. The, the little uh, earbuds had worn off and I just replaced them. So mm-hmm. feeling good. I can hear you guys loud and clear now. I remember putting those headphones on once and seeing myself in the camera and being like, nope, we're going to get some different headphones. But as uh, long as they sound good. Heath, uh, wide receivers in round seven through nine. That's pretty good, huh? Seven top 12 finishes in the last... <laughs> Last two seasons. What? Uh, do, am I wrong? Uh-huh. Or if I really, and I wish that we had like transcriptions, or but if I really went back and searched, is it possible that two or three years ago, I heard you do this segment and say, you know, we haven't had a lot of success out of round seven through nine. I feel like this used to be an area where we didn't get a lot of wide receivers. Like the wide receivers were generally drafted in the first five or six rounds or really late. Is that is that right or wrong? So that is, it's certainly been better the last two years. The year before that, we had, um, yeah, no top 12. The year before that, we had one. Yeah, uh, I would say you should not count on Unless you think this is a trend, you should not count on this continuing to have three or four top 12 receivers being drafted after round six or at least in round seven through nine. Unusual. Um, although Justin Jefferson, I think, was a round 10 pick his rookie year, so he's actually not counted as that. But well, a lot of people dropped him, though, so I think he counted as a waiver wire. <laughs> that is true. Some yeah, like, I, I mean, the, the whole thing 
you know, the, the guys that you mentioned was, was Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamar Chase, if we count Justin Jefferson, those guys are all really young, like early, very early on in their careers who got dinged for, let's say, not great reasons and at least a couple of them. Like Jamar Chase, I was talking about this on Twitter yesterday, but like he was falling in drafts because of a few reports that he couldn't catch the ball in training camp. There was never any reports that he was losing playing time or that anyone was really concerned. It was just beat writers saying, wow, he dropped a wide open pass. And it was like, that that turned out to be pretty dumb of us to fade that guy. And then Amon St. Brown played like an elite wide receiver for like a seven game stretch at the end of his rookie season. And then it was just like, yeah, but did he really? And it turns out, yeah, he was just really good. Right. Um, nah, I, you make it sound like everything is so predictable. I guess in hindsight, it's sure. so predictable, right? But but, but Chase, in like, those Chase, two cases, Jamar Chase was considered one of the best wide receiver prospects of the last decade. And Amon Ross St. Brown had showed us high-level pr- pr- production before, and yeah. we just kind of didn't, or not us, but, you know, we discounted it. Yes. And, you know, if, if you're looking for guys in this range who could play up to that level, a guy who has shown that he can play at that level before, that's probably a better bet. That's Mike Evans. I was thinking the young guys were probably better bets than the old guys. But yeah, I guess maybe the guy who has shown it. That's that's an interesting, like I, the first person I thought of when Chris was doing the the great wide receiver pro- prospect was Jackson Smith and Jigba. And Jordan Addison's right there with him. Now, they're not Jamar Chase. Yeah. But I I look in this range... And for me, it's, and I think two years ago, it was all first, second, or third year wide receivers. Last year, it was about half and half. But I'm looking at the the guys who are first, second, or third year wide receivers in this range, and and maybe a little bit of Gabe Davis also. Yeah, it's a lot of young wide receivers here. It's uh, Traylon Burks, uh, Tedarius Tony's only in his third year, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quinton Johnston, Elijah Moore in his third year, Jamison Williams. And some older guys. I mean, you know, some of the players that, as Chris, you were kind of recapping, the young Mm -hmm. guys, um, the older, the veterans would be Amari Cooper. Really, that's more or less the only one. And Christian Kirk was wide receiver 12 per game. Uh, But I guess Mike Evans would be the Amari Cooper of this group. But he's the only one that's really proven it. Marquise Brown's proven it in spurt. Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is an exception. Uh, Yeah, Michael Thomas would be the exception if he can stay healthy. But, like... If you're looking for an Amon Ross St. Brown comp, I kind of think Marquise Brown fits that. Yeah. You know, we did see him, he played as a top 10 wide receiver for the first six weeks of last season. There's a lot of things that have changed since then, but he's the one guy of this group who has done it who isn't old. Yeah. All right. So why don't we get to your your favorites or favorite Heath? Your I think we did your top three before we went on the show. Who's your top three from this group? Uh, maybe it'll help if I read 15 wide receivers being drafted in rounds seven through nine on NFC since June 15th. It's about 100 drafts. Traylon Burks, Mike Evans, Kadarius Toney, Marquise Brown, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Gabe Davis, Cortland Sutton, Brandon Cooks, Quentin Johnston, Elijah Moore, Jamison Williams, and Michael Thomas. Give me your top three, Heath. My top three are the, uh, not quite the three youngest, but three of the young guys, Traylon Burks, then Jahan Dotson, then Jordan Addison. All three of those wide receivers, I believe, in my top 30 in full PPR. I think the cutoff here is like wide receiver 33 is where we start this list. 
Um, but it's those it's those three young guys. Burks is at number one because of that of that trio. Obviously, he has the most likely path to being an actual alpha wide receiver. I think if Ryan Tannehill just is healthy and Burks is as advertised, we should expect him to thoroughly dominate targets for the Titans. Chris, you got a top three from this group? Um, yeah, I think it's probably Marquise Brown, Jordan Addison, and, and I'll say Jackson Smith and Jigba. Oh. Eh, yeah, I guess. Well, that's the num- number one on Heath's li- Actually, number one and two, Burks and Dotson did not make your top three. Yeah, I, I like both Burks and Dotson. I, I'm somewhat skeptical of Burks just he really didn't show very much as a rookie and there were extenuating circumstances, obviously the quarterback play, the fact that he wasn't fully up to speed during training camp and dealing with asthma and conditioning issues and all that. But I, I found him less impressive than I hoped he would be. Certainly. Yeah. It seemed like he was gaining some momentum. He gets scores 18 points against the Packers follows that up with four catches for 70 yards against the Bengals. Then he has a 25-yard touchdown catch against the Eagles. This was rounds uh, weeks 11 through 13, and he suffered a concussion on that play, and that was his only target of the game. Um, so I agree. I mean, look, the, the overall numbers, 444 yards in 11 games and one touchdown, not good for Burks. But obviously there's something, Heath, that you really like about him. You know, Aside from the fact that he's just going to be the target hog, hopefully, there's got to be something you like about his potential to perform. Well, yeah, I think I, I think you look at what he did in college, and it was a very similar situation, playing on a team that ran the ball well more often than they than they threw it. Arkansas they did not have a good pass attack at all, and he was like 35% of the team's receiving yards and 50% of their receiving touchdowns. And that's A.J. Brown is kind of what he had to do to be a number one wide receiver in this offense when he was healthy at least. All right, so for Heath, favorites in this uh, range are Burks, Dotson, and Addison. For Chris, it's Marquise Brown, Addison, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Give you a couple stats about rounds seven through nine wide receivers. There have been, so, so I use uh, different sources of ADP, but when I'm looking in past years, I use Fantasy Football Calculator. And according to that, uh, there have been 82 wide receivers selected in these rounds over the last six seasons. That's 13 and a half per year. And 22% of them have finished in the top 24. So that's not bad. Um, like I said, the last two years have been really good in terms of top 12. Seven top 12 finishes from round seven through nine over the last two seasons. Most of these guys that finish top 24 per game get at least seven targets per game. 17, there have been actually 20 wide receivers who finished top 24 per game. And 17 of them had, had uh, over the last six years, 17 of them got at least seven targets per game, which would be 119 in a 17-game season. And the other stat is the offenses they're on. 16 of the 20 were on top 18 offenses. Uh, There weren't a lot of wide receivers who... How are we about top 18 pass offenses, regular offenses, total points? Yeah, scoring, yeah. Um, The the guys who who did it on kind of below-average offenses were Allen Robinson... And Brandon Cooks and and Amari Cooper, they were like 18th to 20th or something like that. But and I have a hard time, like when you go to that low top 18, I have a hard time. Like I think there's very few offenses that we should be sure could be even close to sure would not be top 18 this year. 
Yeah. Who who comes to mind? Like definitely will not be top eighteen. Definitely, I wouldn't say that. I would say like would be one of the five worst offenses. You'd kind of want to avoid avoid one of the catastrophically horrible offenses. Um, I don't think the Patriots will be top eighteen. Um. That one's a tough one just because their defense is so good that like they could have a bunch of short fields and and then because like in 2021 they were sixth in scoring. Now they had a, a handful of defensive touchdowns, obviously, but right. they also just had a lot of short fields. But no, I, I agree. Like that's not an offense I expect much from. I, I would say Houston and Carolina would probably be the two. And then Arizona is right on that cusp where if Kyler Murray comes back in September, I think they'll probably not be one of the five worst offenses, but if he misses significant time, then obviously all bets are off. And Tampa could be. Sure. It's funny with Arizona, I was reading that they're going to be under center a lot more this year. I'm just thinking about this guy coming back from an ACL injury, probably missing training camp and preseason, and then altering his style of play, and it's kind of scary. I I would be surprised if they really played under center a lot that just doesn't seem like the kind of thing you should do with Kyler Murray as your quarterback I don't know maybe maybe I'm wrong but I I would be pretty surprised if they actually did that well they went to a play action heavy offense I guess and got him on the move like maybe that I don't know yeah like has he ever taken a snap under center in his life Probably on like fourth and one. (laughs) All right, so we'll get back to these guys in a little bit. We have a little bit of news for you, including the Alvin Kamara news from yesterday. We'll talk about that. We have so many great podcasts. Please go to cbssports.com slash podcast and see the whole list, including if you don't have time for the full-length show, Fantasy Football Today in 5, hosted by Chris Towers. Check that out. Fantasy Baseball Today with Chris Towers. Fantasy Baseball Today in 5 featuring Chris Towers. Um, And a lot of podcasts that Chris is not on but are still great. So please check it out, cbssports.com slash podcasts. Let's do our news and notes here. Um, Alvin Kamara is going to plead no contest to a misdemeanor charge, and he no longer faces felony charges. But the reason why we didn't freak out and do a bonus podcast is because this doesn't really matter for the NFL necessarily. They can still suspend. Heath, did anything change? For, oh, Chris, sorry, you wanted to jump in there? Well, it, it does change. I, I believe if you like plead or are found guilty of a felony, you are automatically suspended for at least six games. I think that's how the the policy works. So it does, it does take away the trigger of an automatic minimum six game suspension, but okay. it doesn't necessarily mean, okay, he's not going to get suspended. Right. Well <laughs> said. Um, <laughs> someone in our chat says, Chris also hosts this American life and cereal. The dude is everywhere. Um, yeah. Heath, did this change anything for you with Camara? Not yet. No, okay. I still am basically expecting six games. If you get four, it'll be better. If it's eight, it'll be worse. All right, Justin Jefferson was asked to rank the top five quarterbacks in football, and he didn't say Kirk Cousins. The honesty of this man. Oh, my goodness. He, says, he said, Mahomes, but he said, look at this, Mahomes won. Three Burrow, four Hurts, five Allen. Who did he say was number two? Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if he ranked them in order. may not have ranked them in order, but he did say Aaron Rodgers. Um, Zach Rosenblatt of The Athletic thinks that Michael Carter is going to begin the season as the number two running back behind Brees Hall, but he, uh, he thinks Israel Abinakanda will eventually take over that role unless the Jets sign Dalvin Cook. Uh, Chris, if you were drafting Jets running backs, what would you do today? I guess I would have Carter ahead of Abinakanda, but I, 
I think that's it's a what's the term? It's dubious. Now there's a specific term for an unsettled backfield that people like to use. And outside of Brees Hall, it's it's extremely unsettled right now. So even if Michael Carter opens up as the number two guy, we know what he is, and it's not a particularly special player. So I Michael Carter is more likely to give you 12 points in the event of Brees Hall missing time, but Abanaconda has more upside in the long term, I think. And there was a report earlier today, I believe, from ESPN's Diana Rossini that the Giants and Saquon Barkley remain at a stalemate, and Monday is the deadline to get a new deal before he has to play on that franchise tag or not play. She actually tweeted today um, that his week one status versus Dallas is in serious doubt if he does not get a deal worked out. (laughs) Well, now I think the Cowboys are going to win that game. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the last time the Giants beat the Cowboys. It's like once in the last, like, five years all right let's take a break when we come back more giants trivia and questions about wide receivers in round seven through nine we'll be right back another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Here we go. Round seven through nine. 15 wide receivers currently in that range. 73rd to 108th overall. And uh, what are you looking for here is my, my first question. So are you looking for a league winner? Are you looking for... Um, a guy that's hopefully just a, like a steady number two wide receiver. Heath, what are you looking for in round seven through nine? I am looking for someone who is ascending, not descending for the most part. Um, I'm, I kind of hit on that at the beginning, but I, I am looking for someone who I think has a chance to break out and be something more than where he's being drafted. I think a lot of times, and with the like, – Amon Ross St. Brown was a, a situation, Chris rightly illustrated, where we were doubting what he did last year, but he was still a young ascending player. With guys like, I think if the consensus is that Mike Evans is falling to the seventh or eighth round, it's more likely that we're right. And this is a terrible situation because he's a, a guy that has the production to justify a much higher um, cost. So I'm less interested in Evans and Michael Thomas, more interested in, in the younger guys. How about you, Chris? What are you looking for here? Yeah, I think another way to put it is just you're looking for big hits, not little hits, right? Like it's really hard to see a scenario where Mike Evans has 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns, right? Like that is just, he feels like a safe bet for 950 to 10 to 1,000 yards and, and a handful of touchdowns. But Given that offense, given where he is on his career arc, it doesn't seem like there's a chance for him to be a huge, huge win. And I think that's what you should be looking for. So, you know, the guys like Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson, they are less likely to be solid starters than Mike Evans, perhaps. But it's a lot easier to envision a path where they just take a big step forward in year two and absolutely become must-start fantasy players. So I think that's what you should be looking for. But that's more or less true everywhere in the draft, I think. So 
obviously, over the last two years, there have been big hits. Right? I keep saying it. Seven wide receivers in this range finished top 12 over the last two years. But as Heath mentioned, before that, wasn't really the case. So we can say Burks is an example of a guy who could lead his team in targets, has a lot of talent, was a first-round pick. Uh, but to be fair, he is the first guy off the board in this range. He may not even be mm-hmm. part of this discussion for a lot of you drafting. He may end up as a six-round pick. Um, so when you look at this group, I know we always want a, a big hit, but do you feel like those guys really exist? Or, I, I mean, I'd be fine with any of these guys just being like the 20th best wide receiver. You know what I mean? That'd be a pretty big hit. That's like 15 spots higher than where we're drafting them. Well, but it's not a Jamar Chase, uh, yeah. Debo Samuel. Uh, do we even entertain the thought of, wow, this guy could be top five, or we're just that just happens to happen, and it's kind of... It's not, you know, do we even entertain the thought of having the Amon St. Brown season from last year, or if that happens, great? I think, in theory, Michael Thomas could get there. I'm very skeptical that there's actually any chance of Michael Thomas bouncing back in that way, but I suppose it's possible. I think Marquise Brown, because it could be a bad team that throws the ball a lot, uh, you know, th- that's another one. But no, I don't think anybody here really has top five upside given their their combinations of talent and situation. Like the the young guys are all not in ideal situations right away. And you'll probably have to be patient with all of them. So no, I don't think any of them has top five potential really. The the highest upside I would say is Burks, um, Brown, probably Tony, because I mean, what if he did play sixteen games with Patrick Mahomes and he actually was the number one, like everybody said all offseason long. I'm not drafting him this high, and I prefer Sky more at cost, but like we know what his athleticism is and is per route stuff. Um I think JSN, just because if Tyler Lockett's washed, there is a universe, and I don't think it's that unreasonable, to where JSN's a much better wide receiver in the NFL than DK Metcalf. I think he could just be the one, and DK could be the Mike Williams number two. Um, And then that's probably it, realistically. Okay. Um, Yeah, Kadarius Toney had five green zone targets. And caught a touchdown on four of them. Yeah, that's amazing. And, like the Chiefs are the you're playing with Patrick Mahomes is the one place where we can't just say LOL regression. Well, right. no, they schemed him. I mean, that's the were, thing. They yeah, were any of them actually so, targets? Yeah, they were plays designed for him. <laughs> well, no, no, that's but what I mean was like, was he actually like running a route on no. any of them? Because I, I remember one of them being like the flip pat, the the you know. Like you said, scheme stuff, which is, yeah. I think, speaks to how the coaching staff feels about his playmaking ability, but also I think speaks to how little they trusted him to do like anything well, last his, season, I would other say, than you know catch the ball three feet away from Patrick Mahomes and run. Well, Chris, I don't, I know you, I don't think you were here for this, but I just want to make sure that you don't insinuate that it's because it's possible that someone might not understand Andy Reid's offense because Andy Reid's offense is not difficult for young wide say, receivers to I, understand. I just said that you're, you know. When he drafts a good wide receiver, you know, let me know how that guy does as a rookie because Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin are both very good as rookies. Tyreek Hill was solid. But, um, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, well. Tyreek Hill was solid because they designed a role for him in the running game. My, my thing on Kadarius Tony is the number of wide receivers who produced as little as he did in college. And there are reasons why he didn't produce a ton in college. He was playing multiple positions. Uh, but then produced as little as he did in their first two NFL seasons and then became stars is probably pretty a pretty short list. 
Um, That's not to say he can't do it, but I'm, I'm very skeptical. His talent just, it's just, just jumps out at you. He's so good. He's very quick. He's so good. He had this. He moves very fast. I don't know if that's the same thing as having wide receiver talent in the NFL, but I he mean, is a good athlete. He, I, yes, he makes people miss probably at a higher rate than any other receiver in football. If I had to guess, and I, I just yeah. want to, I just want to go through this three game stretch he had with the Giants as a rookie. He had six for seventy eight at the Saints. Then he had ten for one hundred and eighty nine at the Cowboys. And then he had, I believe, got kicked out right after halftime in that one as well. <laughs> he had three, which, which he had. I hold think, on, he had, I think it's worth noting. He had given three, his inability to get on the same page with multiple coaching staffs. He had three catches for thirty-six yards on three targets the following week against the Rams. He did that on six snaps before leaving with an injury after one drive. He was dominating one game against the Cowboys, which apparently he got kicked out of at halftime. And one drive against the Rams, who were a great defense. I saw that this guy could really be, for a small, small stretch, he could be a legit receiver. Could he do it for a full season? I don't know. But I believe more in him as a receiver than I think some people do. And, I, of course, we believe in the Chiefs and being able to use him the right way. Now, he's tough. I haven't drafted him in any mocks, but it's, I, I feel like I should. Well, the reason I don't draft him is because he's mostly surrounded by legitimate wide receivers. Like the, the, a guy with his track record who has done like a miniature Will Fuller thing, um, very miniature Will Fuller thing, in past years would be a t- round 10 or later pick, I think. I don't really understand why he's like, I'd love to be the Kadarius Tony guy. Why do I have to, why do I have to like him more than Jahan Dotson to do that? Uh, so let me ask you then. I already asked you who your favorites are. For Heath, that was Burks, Dotson, and Addison. For Chris, it was Marquise Brown, Addison, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, who are the best values? So maybe guys in the round nine range or late round eight. Who are the best values? That's that's a tough question because it depends on what outcome you're looking for. Like Brandon Cooks as wide receiver 43 feels like a really safe bet to beat that by 10 spots. How much does that actually help you win a fantasy championship? I, I don't know. So I would say cooks and Michael Thomas have pretty decent chances of beating their, their ADP, but I don't know if either of them is going to be impactful. So it's for me, it's Marquise Brown at 36. I I think he probably belongs in a tier ahead of this group. Yeah. I've got Marquise Brown right at 36. Um, I think Burks and dots, like I think the guys who I said, my favorites are also the guys who I think are the best values. And I like Gabe Davis here. Yeah. Um, a lot. I think his injury and Josh Allen's injury really dragged his numbers down. I've said it ad nauseum, so I won't say it again, but I love, I mean, he's the number two guy for the bills. You just, you're not going to find a ton of great offenses. I'm sorry. You missed it. They drafted uh, Dalton now, Kincaid and moved him to slot wide receiver, and yeah. he's going to get all the Cole Beasley targets. He's not going to have as many targets as Gabe Davis, I wouldn't think. So I just I love it, he, and he's toward the back end of this group. I mean, he's like kind of late in round eight, I think. So that yeah. probably yeah, this is, love, love that value. This is a reasonable place for him to go. It probably would have been a reasonable place for him to go a year ago as well. And if if he had been drafted as like wide receiver forty last year and then had the season he did, he probably goes a little earlier than he is right now, right? Yeah. Because I think we can talk ourselves into, ah, he's going to take another step forward. And 
I I struggle because he has such a limited route tree. Like he he basically can win on vertical routes and that's it. He doesn't really get separation. He's big and wins contested catches, but I don't know. It it's it's kind of the same thing as George Pickens, where yeah. I just I don't know how much room there is to grow because it's really easy to grow when you play 40% of the snaps, right? And you can, well, it's just he has to get on the field more. It's really hard to grow when you're already running 90% of the routes or 95% of the routes like Gabe Davis was, and you've just got to get better. I think the injury, the high ankle sprain that, I think he missed one game and then came back and played 98% of the snaps the next game or something. If that was really limiting him, I think that's a reasonable argument, but I I sort of think he is what he is. I don't know that he is what he is because I think Josh Allen, so in in the first nine weeks of the season, weeks one through nine, Josh Allen had 13 pass attempts of 35 or more yards and five of them went to Gabe Davis. Weeks 10 through 17, he had four attempts of 35 or more yards. That's a huge, I mean, that's a third. And two of them went to Gabe Davis. So I know Gabe Davis can't be consistent. I mean, I don't think he can be consistent. I'm not counting on that. But I do think he could have more big weeks because Josh Allen just couldn't couldn't throw the ball deep. And then Allen himself said he started feeling better in week 18. And I know Davis had a bad game. He had a bad game week 18, but I think he had 10 targets. Um, oh. So and, and I think he's an end zone target for Allen, too, because he's pretty big. I think the George Pickens comparison is a good one. The only thing I would say, and I, I think Pickens is actually higher than Davis on this list. Yes. yes. I, if you're going to be that type of guy, I'll take the guy playing with Josh Allen. Right. Oh, absolutely. Right. Like yeah. he, I'd much rather have Davis than Pickens. And I think we could have a year where Davis catches what 60 passes for 1,000 yards and scores 12 touchdowns and finishes like just because it has what that one spike year. Boy, people really don't like George Pickens. So let me get to, uh, let me get to the who would you avoid in this range? Anyone you look at this list, say, nope, skip. It's George Pickens. See, told you. But like uh, the thing is, a lot of people really, really like him. I think he's a very controversial player. I think it's untrue to say that people don't like George Pickens. Like nobody people, that's ever just, been on this show likes George. It dep- Pickens. Well, because I, I think it depends on like your. You where you fall on the range of like stat nerds to like got that dog in him because I think people who <laughs> put a lot of faith in physical profile and highlights and projecting from there love George Pickens because he absolutely like the ability to make contested catches is really really impressive and he's a, a physical athlete and was it was his first year back from torn ACL I think he only played like. He had like five snaps after coming back his last year in college or five catches, something like that. So like you can make a case that he's got room to grow. It just, it feels a lot like the case for Cortland Sutton last year where, Oh, you write off the, the middling production because he was coming back from the injury. And turns out the middling production was pretty indicative of who he is as a player. I, I just, it's a somewhat limited profile and it's, it's not a profile that tends to win a lot in the NFL. Yeah. I, I think wide receiver 37 round eight, like I'm fine. I'm not targeting him, but I'm, I'm okay with that on the hope that Pickett takes a step forward and Pickens learns a new route. Um, the, I think the, the guys that I've, I don't think I've drafted Michael Thomas. Maybe I did in one. I'm not necessarily, I'm kind of putting Brandon cooks into the Allen Robinson, AJ green. If they look like they're washed at that age, believe them. So I haven't drafted a lot of cooks. 
Um, and I don't want any Cortland Sutton at all. Uh, that might be it. Sutton, Cooks, Thomas. Oh, and Jamison Williams. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Like he's going higher than this in some of the high stakes stuff. And I just. I don't believe that a guy who played six games last year and played like 15% of the snaps and now isn't going to practice with his team for the first six weeks of the year. I think he's going to come in week seven and probably lay a stinker. Probably have a, I think he has a bye week eight or something. I bet you can pick up him off the waiver wire. Right. Um, he does get to participate in training camp at least, right? Yes, and then it's yes. like the, mm-hmm. the two weeks before he's allowed to play, I think he can return to practice. But yeah, it's, it's asking a lot for a guy who had a single catch last year. Very good catch. I don't know about the two weeks part. I, that's a pup thing, right? Is that a is that a suspension thing too? I thought because I think Deshaun Watson was practicing a couple of weeks before he was actually cleared to play. I could mm-hmm. be wrong on that. So yeah, Pickens back to Pickens. He goes before. Listen to these names. I mean, he's, I wouldn't say he goes in this Uh-oh. particular ADP. Well, at least it wasn't me. I, usually when that happens, Chris, I think, oh no, my internet just went out. I look. I have a dumb look on my face. Thankfully, this time it was Adam. No, it was Adam with a dumb look on his face. Am I back yet? You're good. You're back. Yeah. You're oh, back. I don't know what happened. Okay. Anyway, uh, Pickens in this ADP goes ahead of Dotson, Addison, Smith and Jigba, Gabe Davis. So obviously, we would not take him there. But mm-hmm. you know, like he had 800 yards as a rookie. That's pretty good. That's a lot more. Michael Pittman had 500 yards as a rookie in 13 games. And then he was over 1,000 yards. He was almost at 1,100 the following year. Darnell Mooney had 631 yards as a rookie. As a sophomore, he was 1,055 yards. But both of those guys did so in situations where the competition for targets around them was mostly garbage. No offense to anybody who was on those teams. No, you're but right. Deontay Johnson, who I have been down on through his entire career as a fantasy producer, the one thing I will agree with everybody on is there are a few players in the NBA or the NFL or NBA, either one, who can earn targets like Deontay Johnson. That dude gets open. So I don't I don't think there's much unless Deontay Johnson gets hurt. And I, I still think it's more likely that Pat Fryermuth has more targets than George Pickens this year. Okay. I'm just saying, you know. He, he he actually had some, his yards per target were terrific, George Pickens. Yeah. Like yes. better than Calvin Ridley, better than all the guys I mentioned as, as a rookie in his rookie season. So um, there's I do see why people like George Pickens. It it helps yards per target when all of your targets are on go routes. I mean, we're probably oversimplifying George Pickens a little bit. I don't think he's no like, like uh, he's a high A guy, I get it, but uh, Jacob Gibbs posted this yesterday. I did see that. Uh, yeah. Pickens was one of two players in the NFL last year, certain, whatever the minimum was, to run more than 30% of their routes as a go route. He was at 39.7. So right. he's a pretty big guy. Gabe Davis the other one? No, it was not Gabe Davis the other one? No, Quez Watkins. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's take a break here. We'll talk about anything we did not get to after this. Finishing up our discussion of the round seven through nine wide receivers, 15 of them, according to NFC average draft position from June 15th through July 11th. Traylon Burks, a uh, favorite for Heath. Uh, Chris likes him, but not the most in this group. I guess we should talk about Mike Evans. I made the case for Godwin last uh, on yesterday's show, on Tuesday's show, as the Amari Cooper of the rounds four to six guys. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Maybe Mike Evans is also the Amari Cooper. You know, um, I get I get the issue. But here's a fun stat on, on uh, Mike Evans. Um, over the last two seasons, I only went back two seasons, I wanted to see what's the lowest target share 
that a, a wide receiver who finished in the top 24 has had over the last two seasons. And both years, it's been Mike Evans. That makes sense. 18. No, uh, it's about 15 and about 17 and a half okay. those two years. And I was looking at it because Jordan Addison, like, what kind of target share could he could he get up to 18%? That could be tough based on... Well, and they're not going to throw the ball 700 times. The more the more you throw, generally speaking... They might throw the ball targets. 700 times. That's the thing that I'm really struggling with. Wait, can, when, we, can we go back to, to Evans real Tampa. quick? <laughs> uh, Tampa? Tampa? Are you talking about Tampa yeah. or, or Minnesota? Tampa. Okay, go oh, ahead. Oh, no, I meant Minnesota was yeah, going no, 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 to no, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah. Tampa, you know, he Mike Evans has had really low target shares. That's as much a function of how much they threw and how much Tom Brady threw to the running backs. The 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 targets to the running backs were an extension of the running game, so they count as pass attempts. But when you're talking about Mike Evans' target share, I certainly don't think you project Mike Evans for a 17% target share in an offense that's likely to throw the ball 150 times less than they did last year. That'd be a problem yeah. if he had a 17%. Yes, it, yes. There is no <laughs> chance he even lives up to this if he has a 17% target share this season. I don't know that he's going to live up to this. Uh, I've got him in this range-ish. He's yeah, wide receiver 36 in the projections, and then I moved him down a little bit. Why the pessimism, Heath? Because I think he was wide receiver 16 per game last year, and everybody feels like he had this horrible season. But he right. actually was... He did. He, well... He was great for the first half of the season. He had a terrible slump in the second half. Chris will Chris pointed out many times he drew a lot of pass interference penalties. That well, that's, that's worth something. Just caught two of them. That we might be thinking differently, but like an unusually high amount of pass interference penalties. Mm-hmm. And then in in week seventeen, he had like two hundred yards and three touchdowns, forty something fantasy points. And then he was good in the playoffs. So I, I would say his year probably wasn't as bad as it looked on paper. That's my take, Heath, but you are pretty down on Mike Evans, it seems. I have been, and I was wrong last year um, because they just kept throwing it 750 times. But so much of his production for other guys, we would say that's not sustainable. And he's done it enough to where we don't say that. But another guy who had didn't done that until the wheels fell off was Adam Thielen. And their production has looked pretty remarkably similar if you just take Evans back one year and go against Thielen, who I think is two years older than Evans. Um, But the bigger concern for me is, like, even if he gets to a 20% target share, I don't think that means 120 targets. I don't think he has any chance of matching his per-catch, per-target, per-route efficiency. And I don't think they're going to score enough touchdowns for him to be a double-digit touchdown guy. So I, it it kind of seems to me like Chris Godwin needs to get hurt for Mike Evans to justify ADP. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for the record, I do not draft Mike Evans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that, and and I think he's an example of a guy who, even if he does hit, it's not going to be as a top twelve wide receiver. You know, I think the the best case scenario for Evans in this offense is probably like wide receiver eighteen. Which is fine. You'll take that. You'd be happy if he does that. But it's, I, I think if you're dreaming on Traylon Burks, if you're dreaming on even Michael Thomas, you're dreaming on a better outcome than that. And the difference between Evans and Amari Cooper, because I didn't draft any Cooper last year and I regret it, uh, is, is Godwin. Right. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. if Evans were the number one guy, then sure, this would be good value. But, um, all right. Marquise Brown, we've talked about, was, was terrific with Kyler Murray and without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, how do you think he'll be with Colt McCoy 
for however long that is, Chris? Uh, probably not great, but I think usable. I think both him and Rondale Moore actually have a path to being viable fantasy options, even without Kyler Murray. Because I'm not actually sure Colt McCoy is a significant downgrade on Kyler Murray as a passer. I think it's worse for the offense as a whole, clearly. But just in terms of their passing production, they might actually throw the ball more with Colt McCoy as the quarterback. And, uh, you know, I think it's probably 220 inefficient yards per game, but Brown could get 75 of those and Rondo Moore could get 60 of those on 12 targets. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's probably going to be a bad offense, but it might not be a terrible offense for those two pass catchers. I don't think anybody else is going to come close to mattering. Uh, for Dotson, Heath. Yeah. Uh, so do you care? Did, like, does Curtis Samuel bother you at all? No, he bothers me more for Antonio Gibson than he does for Jahan Dotson. I think if Curtis Samuel is really involved, it's going to be in the screen game and stuff closer to the line of scrimmage. I don't think Curtis Samuel can hold a candle to what Jahan Dotson does beyond the line of scrimmage. Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Gabe Davis, who's your favorite in that group, guys? Addison. Yes, Addison is my number three wide receiver among this group. I'd go Addison, Gabe, then JSN. And I, I keep moving JSN up just a little bit because of what I said earlier. I do think he's like he's a remarkable talent. And if there's going to be a guy, kind of the 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 chase thing, he's not quite chase, but it's like, well, you shouldn't have doubted that guy no matter what because he's that guy. Yeah, there are just just to be clear, I mean, you're not, I know you're not saying this, but there are a lot of really good rookie receivers who don't have great fantasy seasons. I think of mm-hmm. CeeDee Lamb. He was kind of, yeah. although mm-hmm. I think that's a little unfair because that was the year Dak got hurt, right? Um, yeah, I, I think the one thing I would say is that Tyler Lockett is also the guy that we probably shouldn't overlook right. and we have for five years in a row. And he just keeps beating expectations. And maybe this will be the year he he doesn't and Jackson Smith and Jigba ends up being a big part of that offense. But I think the likeliest outcome is that Smith and Jigba is barely fantasy relevant this season. Oh, wow. I would well, there's just, there, there's, very li- there's very little track record of that team using multi- three wide receivers. It's been a heavily concentrated offense between Metcalf and Lockett. Last year, I think it was like 52% target share combined for them. And that's not yeah. to say that Smith and Jigba can't change that. He's obviously more talented than their not wide receiver three they've had there. But this is not going through the Pete Carroll off uh, era. I, I'd be surprised if they've ever had a third wide receiver oh. with more than like 700 yards. Uh, they have had, they have had, we, you know, one of these days we should just thank them for being so predictable and so mm. good for fantasy for so long. And they've never had a, very rarely had two running backs that mattered. So the first, not, not at the same time, no. At the same yeah. time, right. So the first two picks of their draft were so contrary to everything we've seen in the Pete Carroll, you know, Russell Wilson era. Maybe we'll finally get the uh, the Tyler Lockett trade to the Chiefs that I've been clamoring for. Hey, there you go. We'd rather have that or Hopkins. Lockett. What? I think it'd be a lot cheaper. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh-huh. So in the Pete Carroll era, there was one season where they had four 600-yard wide receivers. That is the only time since 2007 that they've had more than two wide receivers with 600-plus yards. 
But we just saw them throw it more than they ever did with Russ, right? That's, that's fair. I mean, they finally got a good quarterback. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the rest of this group. These are the guys we haven't spoken much about. Cortland Sutton, Brandon Cooks, Quentin Johnston, Elijah Moore, Jamison Williams, and Michael Thomas. Sutton, Cooks, Quentin Johnston, Elijah Moore, Jamison Williams, and Michael Thomas. Does anybody really want any of those six? Uh, I'm fine with Elijah Moore. You know, I, I do think that there's a chance that that ends up being a pretty high volume pass offense. The fact that, well, not a middle of the pack, which would be an improvement. And, you know, I, I think he's going to be the clear number two there. So I, I think Elijah Moore is a, a decent bet in that, in the same way that Jackson Smith and Jigba and, and Jordan Addison are where, the likeliest outcome is he's not that useful for fantasy, but there's there's an upside case there. And then, I don't know, Cortland Sutton, probably not, right? Just how bad he was last I mean, season. I'm how fine ba- with it. How bad he's been, I mean, really, he was awesome the first, like, five games of 2021. And then as soon as Jerry Judy came back from that ankle injury, Cortland Sutton, I think, averaged, like, 22 yards per game. So yeah. in the games that Jerry Judy they played in 2021. So I've been running a bit for like four years straight with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf career stats and how, for me, it's how close they are. And Lockett's always been slightly better whenever I choose to do it. Um, I, but Gibbs <laughs> does a much better job of the Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton on the field together. And Sutton has just been nothing. Oh, just miserably awful. But but when, but when they're on the but Judy's not always on the field. No no, they've he's never had a good quarterback. He's never had good including the one he's currently play. playing. Correct. <laughs> if you buy into Russell Wilson bouncing back, then yeah. I think wide receiver forty two for Cortland Sutton is fine. I think yep. it's fine. I poo pooed Brandon Cooks earlier, and I just want to say of this last group that we've gotten to, Brandon Cooks is my favorite and. I do actually think I might have him ranked slightly higher than where he's being drafted. And, and I'll say, like, we haven't really thrown Quentin Johnston into the mix with Smith Ajigba and Jordan Addison, and I think there should be a, a little gap between them, but there's certainly an upside outcome for him, right? Keenan Allen's yeah. missed time the last couple of seasons. I think it was a hamstring injury last year that, that kept him out. That's always a concern with a wide receiver in their 30s. Mike Williams always battling something. And Quentin Johnston was the second wide receiver taken in this draft. He's a, a big physical guy who probably has a more nuanced skill set than I think the, the consensus. Like, I think a lot of people just view him as, okay, this is Mike Williams. This is the next Mike Williams. They're going to get rid of Mike Williams next year. I, he, he showed more of an ability to do stuff after the catch in college than I think he gets credit for. But I, yes, 100%. The after the catch stuff's weird to me, but it's true. Yeah. Um, but he did a lot of like DK Metcalf, like yeah, he was really screen, good. screen and go stuff. But he also, I don't think he's as good at catching the football as Mike Williams, especially in traffic. So I, I he's a, he's a wide, wide, he's a good, like what Chris said, shoot for the home run, not the single. He's a wide, wide range of outcomes guy because I think he could be worse than George Pickens, and I think he could be better than Mike Williams. And, and I will point out while we're on the topic of Mike Williams, he's kind of a best case scenario for for a George Pickens type. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Williams has a pretty limited route tree, pretty pretty limited skill set, but he's really, really good at what he does. And you'll see those type of players, you know, pop every once in a while. Devontae Parker had the one I think it was an eleven hundred yard season. 
It's just, it's hard to do it consistently. Right. I just, I guess the issue I have with that is I don't think we should just pigeonhole George Pickens into being a certain type of player after one year. Sure. Um, last thing I'll say is Michael Thomas is the last wide receiver drafted in this range. He was a top 10 wide receiver per game last year. Technically, co- technically correct. I mean, it, it was the pretty, best kind of correct. It was pretty interesting to see how well he did in those yep. three games. You know, it was he didn't blow the doors. He had a lot off better it. quarterback then. He had, he had Jameis, who actually was throwing like for three hundred yards a game or something. I was gonna say like Jameis Winston, four fantasy wide receivers versus Derek Carr, four fantasy wide receivers in their career with Winston by a million miles. That's Winston over just about anyone. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you very much for watching and listening, everybody. Tomorrow we got a fun show. I think we're doing the feud tomorrow or Jeopardy. I think fantasy feud. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Do I get is Dan back? Uh, no, Friday. No, I'm only I only play games against Dan. Dan would come in and be like, I can't believe you did this to me. You put me out with Heath. Heath is greatest. I haven't studied. I'm just, uh, all right, well, you'll hear that on Friday. But we'll talk to you on Thursday on Fantasy Football. Today.